Lynn Hiles Ministries presents Dr. Lynn Hiles That You Might Have Life. And here's your host, Dr. Lynn Hiles. Welcome back to the program again this week, and thank you for taking time out of your busy schedule to join us. I think that you're probably really being blessed. I hope you are. The responses we're getting are tremendous to what we're teaching. And we just are um, digging in the Word of God deeper. Uh, you know, our ministry style and what we do may be different from other people. We're not trying to mimic what we see others do. We just have to do what we're called to do, and that is to dig in the Word of God. I think I'm like a gold miner. I just dig in, uh, and I find these veins of gold, and once I hit them, I just want to stay with them and teach them. And I so enjoy being able to do this with television because I can, it's in my studio, take the time to just unpack stuff that I can't do as much when I'm traveling on the road and I've got two or three services to deal with. It's hard to unpack anything of any real depth. So we're just uh, excited to be able to bring these teachings to you. We have been teaching uh, for the last several weeks a series out of the Gospel of John. And what we're looking at is uh, 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 the key thought, and I quote this almost every time we do uh, one of these segments, John chapter 20, uh, John says this, the purpose for, he gives the purpose for the book of John. He said, these things are written that you might believe that Jesus is the Christ and that believing you would have life through His name. That was the purpose for the Gospel of John. Now what we showed you is that in these last, I mean, maybe, I don't know, probably been more than, probably more than 20 uh, series up to now uh, in John chapter 5, is we have showed you how Jesus powerfully pictured some things. In other words, these signs and miracles and wonders He did were not just random acts. They would have pointed Israel, especially Jewish people, to an understanding of something that they either knew about from the prophets that had prophesied was coming or that they would have uh, uh, joggled their mind in thinking about uh, some Old Testament picture that was pointing towards Messiah. And, uh, you know, we just unpacked so many of those things that we showed you, uh, you know, how that, first of all, you know, he says to Nicodemus, for instance, you must be born again. In other words, he's saying to Nicodemus, listen, your natural birth is not enough. There's a spiritual birth that has to take place. He tells them, you destroyed this temple three days, I'll raise it back in. They were thinking about the temple of the physical building. Jesus was talking about the spiritual temple, which is His body. Uh, he, uh, 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 he comes to a woman at the well, and they're looking at natural water, and He's talking about spiritual water. As a matter of fact, water is on almost all of these things because it has something to do with the Spirit, symbolizing the Spirit. He turns water to wine. He tells Nicodemus, you've got to be born of the water and of the Spirit. He tells the woman at the well, there's water to drink that, you, that will, you'll never thirst again. And now we're here at chapter 5, book of John, and there's going to be some water that's troubled. <laughs> Man, I mean, I, there's just so much in this stuff that I get excited about it. I want to just get excited and preach rather than sit here and talk to you. But we're going to read this text again in John 5 in just a moment. But if you would like to go back and review some of the things that we have taught, 
uh, I got good news for you. You can go back and watch everything we have ever aired to date is archived right now on YouTube, and it is free to watch at your leisure. And I believe YouTube has become almost as powerful to us as the regular television because we have regular subscribers that watch every time we upload a video. And you can go there and watch them at your leisure and subscribe to the page if you want to. It doesn't cost you anything, but when you subscribe, what happens is is you can leave comments and then you can also uh, 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 get, an, uh, you get a, an email that tells you we've uploaded a new video so you can watch it then. Also there is an RSS feed and a podcast of the audio portions of these programs. The easiest way to do all of that is simply to go to my website at lynnhiles.com and there is a link up in the upper right hand corner there are little icons that look like YouTube or the little robot that looks like an Android or the little iTunes insignia where if you tap on any one of those they will take you directly to our uh, our channel and and that's the easiest way to do it and so you are more than welcome to do it. while while you're there all of our books are listed there uh, a, a whole host of audio material and videos are there and so just go there and enjoy it man we just got it there for your uh, your benefit if you'd like to give an offering while you're there there's also a place where you can do that uh, enough said about that verse 1 chapter 5 book of John after this there was a feast of the Jews, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. Now there is at Jerusalem by the sheep market a pool, which is called in the Hebrew tongue Bethesda, having five porches. And these lay a great multitude of impotent folk, of blind, halt, withered, waiting for the moving of the water. For an angel went down at a certain season into the pool, and troubled the water. And whosoever then first after the troubling of the water stepped in was made whole of whatsoever disease he had. And a certain man was there which had an infirmity thirty-eight years. That's very important. When Jesus saw him lie and knew he had been now a long time in that case, he saith unto him, Wilt thou be made whole? And the impotent man answers him, Sir, I have no man when the water is troubled to put me into the pool. But while I am coming, another steppeth down before me. And Jesus saith unto him, Rise, take up thy bed, and walk. And immediately the man was made whole, and took up his bed, and walked. And the same day was the Sabbath day. And the Jews therefore said unto him that was cured, It is the Sabbath day, it is not lawful for thee to carry thy bed. He answered them, He that made me whole, the same said to me, Take up thy bed, and walk. Then asked they him, What man is it that said unto thee, Take up thy bed and walk? And he that was healed wist not who it was. For Jesus had conveyed himself away, a multitude being in that place. Now I'm going to, I'm going to deal with this and then come back and, and uh, just unpack a whole lot of stuff. Now what we've showed you is that yes, there is in fact, first of all here on the surface, the fact that Jesus is a healer and that he's the water troubler. What we showed you uh, in two prior segments is this is a much bigger picture than Jesus just healing an individual. This man who is at the pool for 38 years is symbolic of natural Israel when they were coming out of Egypt into their promised land and they had come out of Egypt and they had sent the spies into the land of Canaan to spy out the land and they came back with an evil report and God told them uh, you're going to wander around in the wilderness until the men of war die. 
it was exactly 38 years. Now, what I'm going to do is I'm going to take you back here, and I'm going to show you, uh, I'm going to bring up my notes here and show you where uh, the, the text where this is at. There's two places here that I want you to see, and I, and I, I purposely want to take time to uh, uh, to show you this. First of all, we're going to read from Numbers 13, verse 32, and then we're going to show you in Deuteronomy 2.14 where it talks about the, th the 38 years. So first of all, let's go to Deuteronomy 13.32. Let me pull that up real quick. Deuteronomy 13. Verse number 32, I think it's 32 and 33, I think I got it right here. Let me just see here. Well, that's the wrong spot. I'm, I'm sorry, I'm, I, Numbers 13, I'm sorry, Numbers 13. Verse number 32, I apologize for not having it printed out, but I'm using digital devices. Verse 30 says, And Caleb stilled the people before Moses and said, Let us go up at once and possess it, for we are well able to overcome it. But the men that went up with him said, We be not able to go up against the people, for they are stronger than we. And they brought up an evil report of the land which they had searched unto the children of Israel, saying, The land through which we have gone to search it is a land that eateth up the inhabitants thereof. And all the people that we saw in it are men of great stature. And there we saw the giants, the sons of Anak, which come, uh, which come of the giants, and we were in our own sight as grasshoppers, and so were we in theirs. Now, if you, that's when the evil report came, and they brought this evil report. And uh, let me see here, Deuteronomy then is. Uh, Let me see if I can find the spot here real quickly. It's, it's Deuteronomy chapter 2, and let me see. I told you a few minutes ago, verse 14. Deuteronomy 2, 14. Deuteronomy 2, verse number 14 says, And the space in which we came from, Kadesh Barnea, until we were come over the brook Zered, was thirty and eight years. Watch this until all the generations of the men of war were wasted out from among the host, as the Lord swore unto them. For indeed the hand of the Lord was against them to destroy them from among the host until they were consumed. So it came to pass when all the men of war were consumed and dead from among the people, that the Lord spake unto me, saying, Thou art to pass over through Ar, the coast of Moab, and when thou comest nigh over against the children of Ammon, distress them not, nor meddle with them, for I will not give thee of the land of the children of Ammon any possession, because I have given it unto the children of Lot for possession. Now I want you to see here that what happened was when they came back across uh, from the book of Deuteronomy, Numbers first of all, they went in to spy out the land. They came back with an evil report, and all they could do was report on how big the giants are. I really think it's a tragedy. That seems to be the emphasis today of most of the American churches, we are always talking about how big the enemy is rather than talking about how big God is. I want you to know we have a great big God, a wee little defeated devil, and a dead old man. And I want to preach God so big that I want to be like David, oh magnify the Lord. When I think about magnify, I think about make Him bigger. Because I think what hinders us is when we preach a great big devil and a wee little God, we st st end up being the halt, the lame, and the blind, and we don't enter into this rest that God had for us. But here's the text that I was after is that 
in Deuteronomy 2, verse number 14, it said that they came back with an evil report, and the space in which they came from Kadesh Barnea until we were come over the brook Zered was 38 years. So when you come here in the book of John, we're at the pool of Bethesda, the house of mercy, where there's five porches of grace. Five being the number of grace, Bethesda means house of mercy. And there's a crippled man here, 38 years. It should have jarred something in the minds of these Jewish leaders especially. But anybody standing there should have begun to see, you know, hear the Spirit going, hint, hint, hello, this is a big signpost. These miracles, we told you in the last program we did, that He confirmed His Word with signs and wonders and divers gifts of the Holy Ghost, confirming that He in fact was the Son, that listen, He was in fact the leader, Jesus was the leader of a new exodus, but this time He was bringing us not out of a physical bondage of Egypt, but out of a spiritual bondage of legalism, and out of a spiritual bondage of old covenant law, and into a new covenant of mercy and grace and truth, where the blood of the Lamb has got in the water and troubled the waters. What I showed you, and I, I don't want to review too much because I don't have a lot of time. But this sheep gate, we showed you first of all that Jesus is the door into the sheepfold. So there was a sheep market there, and they brought the sheep there. They washed the sheep upstream, according to Adam Clark's commentary, it's probably the Feast of Passover. They washed the sheep, they cut the throats of the lambs, and the blood would run into the pool. And when the blood would run into the pool, an angel would trouble the waters, and whoever got in the water would be healed. Now what I want you to see is that this is a powerful picture of Jesus, who is the real Lamb of God, who's standing in front of this man who's halt, lame, and blind, a great multitude of impotent folk, for 38 years. Same amount of time that Israel was halted between two opinions. The same time they were halted in the wilderness journey, the same time they spent from the time that the men, that the spies went in and brought back an evil report and stole their faith, they were in the wilderness until the men of war died. I might have time to unpack that a little bit more in the next segment if I don't get to it in this one. But if you don't see that Jesus is the real Lamb of God, that the angel that troubled the waters in the book of John at the pool of Bethesda, that there was an angel that came down and troubled the water, last week I read to you out of the book of Hebrews, Jesus is better than angels, and a better than angels, and a better pool, and better blood, and a better lamb, and a better Sabbath, and everything is standing in front of these people, signifying that it is time for a new exodus. And I read to you last week out of Isaiah 35 that he talked about that there would be streams and a pool that would break out in the desert, and at that time the eyes of the blind would be opened, the ears of the deaf would be unstepped, the lame man would leap like a heart. It would be a time when they would want to return to Zion. The Zion they were returning to is the new covenant that is through the blood of Jesus Christ. For Hebrews 12 said, For you are come to Mount Zion, to the city of the living God. And he says that in contrast to the verses above that says that you've not come to blackness and darkness, you've not come to fear and trembling, you've not come to a God who says stay away. That was Mount Sinai. You did not come to Mount Sinai. Mount Sinai was where the law was given. But you are come to Mount Zion. That's the new covenant. So the moment these symbols should have literally screamed to them that it's time to cross over. 
It's time to cross over, and this new, all through, I mean, the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, is a powerful picture of another exodus. I mean, even in the pictures that are used when John the Baptist says, right there's the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world, it was showing you another Passover lamb, that Jesus was the Passover, and it was the Passover lamb that delivered you from Egypt, the bondage. But I showed you recently, I'm going to say it again, it's worth repeating. Revelation 11 verse 8 says, And their dead bodies shall lie in the street of the great city, which is spiritually called Sodom and Egypt, where also our Lord was crucified. Now you read that, and you read over it quickly, you miss the point. He said, Our Lord was crucified in the city which is spiritually called Sodom and Egypt. But historically, our Lord was not crucified in Sodom or Egypt. Those are pictures. In other words, they, he said, spiritually called. Our Lord was crucified in Jerusalem, but the Holy Spirit was taking His finger and saying, what you think is Egypt is not Egypt. What I'm pointing to is the centerpiece of Judaism, which was the law of Moses and their animal sacrifice and their old covenant. That's what He calls Sodom and Egypt. As a matter of fact, He even Jesus Himself, when He does many miracles as signs again, says to them, the men of Sodom and Gomorrah will rise up in judgment against this generation. Hallelujah. So what he was doing is leading them out of another exodus. John's gospel is so that you might believe that Jesus is the Christ, so that believing you would have life through your, His name. He wants to give them in the first century as well as unto us this abundant life, that believing you would have life through His name. And this life is this incredible life lived in the context of sonship and not being a slave. Because in Egypt you were a servant or a slave, but in the New Covenant you're a son. And this incredible life was a life lived in the context of sonship, where if you want to be made whole, you can be made whole. I would ask people under the bondage of all of this legalism, and see, let me tell you something, the religious leaders were not anxious to let these people go, because the moment this man stood up and walked, the only thing they could find fault with is the fact that He did it on the Sabbath day. And I could do a whole series just on the Sabbath day, because like I said, this book called Unforced Rhythms of Grace, and I highly recommend you go get it, has a whole chapter on this pool of Bethesda, but it has chapter after chapter on the miracles that Jesus did on the Sabbath day, and how they picture what flows from this incredible posture called rest. But they were 38 years in the wilderness, According to Deuteronomy chapter 2, verse 14, after the spies came back with an evil report, until the men of war died. Now let me just tell you this, John chapter 11 says, all the law and the prophets prophesied, let me, let me go ahead and see if I can bring that up, all the law and the prophets prophesied up until John. Uh, until John, the word until is a time word. I'm going to read it to you from the Message Bible because it brings it out so clearly. Uh, let's see here. Let me just see here. Verse number 11 says, let me tell you what's going on here. No one in history surpasses John the Baptizer, but in the kingdom he prepared for you, prepared for you for, the lowliest person is ahead of him. For a long time now, people have tried to force themselves into God's kingdom. But if you read the books of the prophets and God's law closely, you will see them culminate 
in John, teaming up with him in preparing the way for Messiah of the kingdom. Look at it this way. John is the Elijah you've all been expecting to arrive and introduce the Messiah. Are you listening to me? Really listening? Now let me just tell you what he's saying here. Uh, if you read this in King James, it says, all and the law and the prophets prophesied up until John. And up until John, violent men seized the kingdom by force. In other words, what he's declaring is, all through the old covenant, the only way into the kingdom was through force and warfare. And, 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 and he's trying to, to tell them, listen, the kingdom is not going to come through military power and force. And I believe it's even what he's trying to say to them concerning how they were missing his role as Messiah, because they thought he was going to come and lead a military revolt against the Roman Empire and overthrow the Romans, but his kingdom was not of this world, or his servants would have fought. But just because his kingdom is not of this world does not mean it's not for this world. But what he's simply saying here is, listen, all the warfare stuff prophesied up until John, and up until then you had to take the kingdom by force. Listen, I cut my teeth on kingdom preachers some clear back in the 70s. And we preached the kingdom, but we preached that you accessed it through old covenant righteousness, and it was always sweat and labor and force. And all it did was leave a whole string of crippled, lame, blind, and halt people laying in a pool. But I'm telling you, it's only when you come to a pool of mercy and the house where there's five porches, and you come to grace and mercy of the new covenant, can you be empowered to take up your bed and walk? Because taking up your bed and walk symbolizes not only saving grace, but empowering grace to go and sin no more. Now let me, I'll, I'll, I'll address that as maybe in the next segment perhaps. But what I want you to see is up until then, violent men seized the kingdom and culminated with John. In other words, somewhere this warfare has to come to it. In other words, the men of war have to die. And as I was thinking on these things, I, I literally had the Lord just drop in my heart Isaiah chapter 40. Because Isaiah chapter 40 is kind of like Isaiah's beginning of the New Testament. There are like, uh, you know, uh, 27 books in the New Covenant, and, and there are 66 books in, in, the gospel, or in Isaiah. And it's like when, when you begin to switch over in Isaiah about chapter 40, it begins to switch over a little bit sooner than that, probably. But it begins to show you almost New Covenant ideas. But here, let me just read this to you from the King James again. It says in Isaiah 40, verse 1, Comfort ye, comfort ye my people, saith your God. Speak ye comfortably to Jerusalem, and cry unto her that her warfare is accomplished, that her iniquity is pardoned, for she hath received of the Lord's hand double for her sins. The voice of him that crieth in the wilderness, prepare ye the way of the Lord, make straight in the desert a highway for our God. Now let me tell you verse 3 of Isaiah 40 is what is quoted in Matthew chapter 3 when John the Baptist comes on the scene and says, this is the, the fulfillment of the voice of one crying in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord and make straight in the highway a desert for our God. In other words, he's saying, listen, the scripture that Isaiah prophesied about in Isaiah chapter 40 is culminating with John because John is the messenger that came crying in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord. He's saying, it's not coming 
It has arrived. The kingdom is at hand. It is within your grasp. This book especially is written, from law to grace, is written uh, from that Matthew 3 text where he said, repent, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. It is within your grasp. He's telling them in the first century. It is at hand. It is within your grasp. And so if that is in fact the fulfillment of that, he's saying, tell Jerusalem her warfare is accomplished. Every valley shall be exalted, every mountain shall be made low, and the crooked shall be made straight, and the rough places plain, and the glory of the Lord shall be revealed, and all flesh shall see it together. And the mouth of the Lord has spoken it. And the voice said, cry. He said, what shall I cry? All flesh is grass. Uh, I could go down through all of these scriptures, but I think, I think that's probably enough to show you that what he's saying here in Isaiah 40 came to pass with Jesus. The warfare has been accomplished. Listen, I truly believe that the greatest spiritual warfare you can do is to recognize that the battle has already been won and to step into the victory of Christ because we are not fighting for victory. We are fighting from victory. We, we, we must learn to beat our swords and weapons into plowshares and our spears into pruning hooks. I think it's time that we not learn war anymore, but we begin to walk in the fullness of the rest of God and the peace of God. I'm not talking about there's not struggles that go on in our lives, but I'm telling you what he said here, comfort ye, comfort ye my people, saith God, and speak comfortably and tell her that her warfare is accomplished. God is not your enemy. He is not against you. The battle has been won. That's why it's called the gospel of peace. It's because He hath made peace through the blood of His cross. He's reconciled us through the blood of the Lamb, and that's what's symbolized in this pool of Bethesda. As the blood of the Lamb would literally run into this pool, it would trouble the water, and whoever was lame or halt, if they got in the water, could be healed. They were waiting on a season. I think the American church is constantly waiting on seasons. And we think there, you know, and I, but I'm going to tell you in Christ, there is a season that is always present because when He steps up, He's the water troubler. He is the angel that troubles the water. He is the lamb that puts the blood in the water. He is the Messiah and the leader of the new Exodus. Let's not halt be lame, blind, because Jesus' first message is, He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to set at liberty them that are bruised, open the eyes of the blind. And even when John the Baptist is struggling with, go ask him, are you the one that is to come or not? He said, go tell John, the blind see, the lame walk, the dumb talk, and the poor have the gospel preached to them. In other words, remind John the Baptist of this prophetic scripture that was literally talking about him, the voice of one crying in the wilderness. Remember that John. And I think that was enough to give John the comfort to know he in fact was Messiah. These things are written that you might believe that Jesus is the Christ and that believing you would have life through his name. We're out of time today. I hope that's really blessed you. Uh, if you've got a moment and you can just take a moment, we don't spend very much time to do this, but we do need your help. Uh, and partnership to be able to, to produce television, do the things that we're doing, not only with television, but traveling ministry, writing, all the stuff that we're doing. So we do need your partnership. 
lot of people watch and very few people sew back into it, but it takes a lot of money to do this. So, but if you'd like to give uh, and be part of that, uh, the easiest way to just go to our website and there's a place where you can give via credit card or debit card or PayPal. You can also sign up there if you want to for a monthly debit where you want to give a monthly amount to become a partner. You can also call the number on the screen if you'd like for somebody to take your credit card or you can send a check or money order to the address that will come up on the screen. And we appreciate you doing that. God bless you. Thank you for joining us. I'm very excited to announce the release of my newest book. It is titled From Law to Grace, A Kingdom Paradigm Shift. In this book, we talk about how the gospel is not about a law you have to keep. It is about receiving a life that will keep you. It is not about living this life out of fear. It is about living a life of faith. It is not about rules. It's about a relationship with a loving father. It is about moving from the old covenant government of condemnation to the new covenant government of affirmation. It is about living life as a citizen of the kingdom right now.